Welcome to Box to Box Football. Yes, everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Box to Box Football, where the analysis on point and you can remove the creepy Micah Richards dressing up as Santa Claus edition. As we've got Champions League for you today, we're going to talk about Europa League as well, all the drama that went on in match day six, plus a preview of the Premier League and much more for the coming weekend. JJ here with Yes, he's actually in the picture. He is live and direct. Mike Samsel is with us. Uh, we do not have Stu, nor Sean, nor Kyle. But Mike, I mean, you and I were talking before we jumped on this recording here. We could kind of pass through Tuesday a little bit. But my goodness, the last 48 hours of Wednesday and Thursday, we got all the drama you can ever expect out of a final match day. Oh, brilliant drama. We're taping here on Thursday evening, and we just got finished watching the match between Betis and Rangers, which was drunk. That game was completely overserved. A uh, huge last-minute win for Brighton in Europa, and then you mentioned all, all the Champions League that stuff that we're going to get into on Wednesday as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to run down uh, all the matches, score lines, talk about some of our favorite and not so favorite moments from the last 72 hours. Same thing can be said for the Europa and Europa Conference League. And also some of the ramifications that's coming for the fact that English teams not doing so well in their respective groups and what that could mean for potential future extra berths in the expanded champions league field next season and like i said we will look at the next match week for the premier league uh, at the end of the show but let's go to the tuesday matches uh i'm gonna actually go in reverse alphabetical from d to a as really kind of the main talking points were from group a so group d Inter and Real Sociedad each go through. That's Inter Milan and Real Sociedad. They kick the ball around for 90 minutes, play to a nil-nil draw. Uh, it will be Inter that will be finishing second, Sociedad first. Uh, as, again, seeding always is priority. If you get the first place spot, you get the home leg in the second leg of the knockout. Group C, Napoli with a 2-0 win at Braga. That was for top of the table bragging rights. In that group, or at least, excuse me, I should say, getting the second of the two spots bragging rights is Napoli getting an own goal inside of 10 minutes and Victor Osimhen in the 30th minute, putting that one out of reach. Meanwhile, Real Madrid had to scrape through a 3-2 victory away at Union Berlin as uh, late, late, late on Danny Ceballos getting the winner in the 89th minute. Credit Union nearly got themselves a historic result at their home away from home, uh, which that match, of course, is all their matches in the Champions League were played at the Olympia Stadion, but not enough to get one on the day. Group B, we already knew what was going to be coming through. Arsenal 1, PSV 2. Those two teams played to a 1-1 draw as Eddie Nketiah scored right before halftime and right after halftime for Tessin with the helper from one El Tren, Ricardo Pepe. But here we are, Mike, and I should also say Lons, uh knocked out Sevilla 2-1, which is actually interesting because Sevilla now no more European football. Yeah. They cannot even defend their own Europa League title. That kind of set the table for a pretty bad week in Andalusia for football. But here we go. Group A, uh, Copenhagen 1, Galatasaray 0. You were talking about, um, you know, th there's a number of players for Copenhagen that you have your eye on. Uh, they get the result from Larje. He's actually going to be suspended in the first uh, first match of the knockout matches because he got sent off for a second yellow card. But knocking out Galatasaray in front of a packed stadium in Copenhagen, I mean, credit to that group because they were very much the underdogs coming into this competition. Kind of thought about as they're just making up that group A, but here they are finishing second. Yeah, brilliant, and we'll get to Manchester United in a second, but even, you know, you look at Galatasaray, Galatasaray spent as well, that's a that's a decent side that they just beat, you know, Icardi's there, Zaha, Tete, you know, Davinson Sanchez, Torreya, uh, Merton, Ziyech, like that's, I mean, it's probably from 2019, but that's an all-star team from 2019, you know, and uh, for... For the kids to get that kind of result there in Copenhagen is is unbelievable. 
And that's the kind of result that could really kind of put a, a club on a map, right? You know, because now that opens up some money for them. Do they go out and get competitive relatively in spending, you know, in terms of do they go out and get some mid-tier guys? Do they go out and buy their next batch of young kids that they're going to cycle through the system? Uh, but making them round the 16 in the Champions League is a huge deal. And they did it over not just one big club in Galatasaray, JJ, but a pretty big second club as well. Yeah, they knocked off Manchester United in the sense of not allowing the English side to go through it all for any future European matches for the rest of the season. Because Bayern Munich went to Old Trafford, Harry Kane wanting it to do it one more time against the team that were trying so desperately to buy him in the offseason. But Kingsley Coman, goal 20 minutes from time. But frankly, watching that match, United never had a sniff of anything never on once. goal. Bayern. Never once, and credit to Byron as well. We spoke about this in the preview show a couple of days ago. They were coming off of a humiliating drubbing on the road to Frankfurt by five goals to one. So was there going to be a response? They needed to build some momentum before what could arguably be a momentum-turning match for the course of their Bundesliga season because they're taking on Stuttgart on the weekend. That's second versus third in the league. If Stuttgart got a result in that, I mean, who knows what Munich could be looking like in a week's time from right now, but they get the decision and the better team played better football and played United off the pitch. And now just more disarray under Eric Ten Hag. There's already talk about that some parts of the front office already have the person lined up for you know the takeover Ten Hag if he doesn't last through the weekend. He's clearly lost the dressing room. This comes before their match on Sunday against Liverpool. I mean, yeah, do you really see Ten Hag even making it to Christmas? I don't. And the the reason that I don't is not so much. It's been weird kind of the online discourse around Ten Hag and somehow making this Ten Hag versus Ronaldo. Ronaldo was done. We don't need to talk about him. I know he scored 50 goals. He's doing it in Saudi Arabia. Whatever. This is not a Ronaldo issue. But what this is an issue of is holding on to the past on both sides. The Fergie era is gone. And I think Manchester United have to adjust their expectations to that. But the mistake that Ten Hag made was trying to rebuild that Ajax team in the Premier League that went to the Champions League semifinals. That era was also gone. And it is a pretty spectacular failure to me this year because if you look at what Ten Hag did last year as Man United manager, he finished in the Champions League spot and he got a trophy. It's a hell of a year. That's a very, very good year. But this year, just that constant, cantankerous, confrontational... It just doesn't work, man. You burn your teams out, and we see that time and time and time again. And when you don't get results, you burn your team out quickly. I am curious to see who Man United is going to go after here because this is not uh, a desirable job right now, I would say. It, it is a club, uh, and crisis is probably overstated, but it's a club in transition, you know, with Jim coming in and INEOS, those guys kind of taking over running the squad now and the sporting operations and everything like that. It is still the Glazers and still the bad PR of that. There's no European football to offer and it's a club that's in a dogfight for Champions League and behind right now as you're coming in. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, there's so many things that you can unpack of what you said. A lot of it is completely accurate. I think the things to add to it is, you know, what truly happened between early May of mm -hmm. last season and early August of this season, because it looked like a much happier group. And of course, winning means happiness. Players at minimum, yes, it's a job. You don't have to love everybody within that changing room, but they seem to enjoy their football a lot. And of course, the changes of captaincy. Uh, the very strange exodus of David De Gea, who, by the way, still does not have a club as of time of recording, at least that we don't know about. Um, it's something happened, and clearly it's so much so that it's for the negative that the continual news cycle has the just copy-paste uh, 
headline of 10 hog out. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens over there. But Mike, they're not the only English club that are going to be without European football come the new calendar year as we switch over to Wednesday, because really this is all everyone has been talking about for the last 24 hours before we stepped in front of a microphone to start recording. As we go to group, as you rightly said, effed, and it is the group that truly lived up to the billing up until the last kick of match day six. We'll get to the others, the match, uh, other groups in a little bit, but here we go. First off, Newcastle 1, AC Milan 2 in the simultaneous affair that really saw the result be, well, nothing in yeah. terms of Champions League because Dortmund and PSG played to a 1-1, which saw then Dortmund clinch the group, PSG finishing second. Nobody told either team really what the result of the other match was going on because Dortmund kept pressing. PSG kept counter-pressing and all they had to do was kick the ball around because then both of them would have went through and say if PSG or Dortmund scored, well, if it was Dortmund, then PSG, they're not playing in the Champions League. And if PSG scored, then well, who frankly knows what would have happened at that point. But yeah. um, which one do you want to start with? Because I think both matches were fantastic and actually had beautiful parallel storytelling over the course of the 90 minutes that played across. I, I want to start in Newcastle for the unfortunate Geordies because, listen, they were playing in a huge spot, right? They're they're playing a seven-time European champion, a team that went to the Champions League semifinals last year. They're doing it without a lot of players. You know, their big off-season acquisition, Tenali obviously suspended with the gambling issues and just a really shorthanded side, and they came out and they played hard, man. They gave that game – everything that they had and upon Tyne River for a moment in time Newcastle was going to win a Champions League group for what JJ the first time since Alan Shearer was out there running around at least um I'm not even sure if Shearer ever won a group but that's uh yeah who knows I I mean it, it was it was huge and then of all people Christian Pulisic the American breaks the hearts of of the Geordies and you know I, I think sometimes you know in quote-unquote debate culture when me and Kyle go after each other I, because I don't like Christian Pulisic at the level that JJ likes him doesn't mean I don't like Christian Pulisic uh, or, I'm sorry excuse, at the excuse level me Kyle for likes. a second wow I mean I, I, <laughs> when, when he puts on a USA jersey all happy and joy <laughs> but don't throw me into this conversation at, at the level Kyle likes him I think he's at his level at AC Milan. A good, good club, competitive club, decent league. Like Pulisic's good there, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy to see he's scoring goals. It's good for U.S. soccer. It's good for the growth of the game, and it's good for for AC Milan too, right? And then just the last what was it, 15 minutes or so of that game was why you love football, right? Just attack, counterattack, attack, counterattack. It looked like Newcastle was going to get a winner, constantly swarming around goal. And then, oh, my God, Leal's all alone. Oh, my God, he put it off the post. And then attacking again, attacking again, and Chukweze comes in. And Chukweze gets the winner that saves European football for AC Milan. We obviously talk a lot about the English Premier League in this. But that's still AC Milan. That's a massive club as well. For them to be in European football, they've got to be one of the top contenders now in Europa League. And for PSG, as we move over to Germany, I mean, I love that Dortmund team. Eden Terzic has that team tough as hell. Um, but, man, PSG, I have, it's a broken record for the last 15 years, but that team is soft. And they found a way yesterday. But, J.J., I thought Dortmund bullied them all over the pitch. Well, it's funny because you talk about how fun the Newcastle match was. But that's a beauty, and this should be said, not an advertisement. We're not endorsing anything. We haven't been endorsed. But this is why the Galazzo show exists is because those two matches were basically just frame by frame next to each other. And you had, as I spoke about the storytelling it was so right almost down to a t i mean what was it around the 20th minute 
of both matches, we had Almarone have one cleared off the line as all of a sudden Fakayo Tamori just shows off that, yeah, I might be 25, but I've got the limber abilities of a, you know, a young promising defender clears one off the line. Then what was it moments later in the Dortmund PSG match, there was one that was cleared off the line. Uh, what was it? Hummels, I think it was that mm -hmm. cleared one off the line. So you had all these parallels that were happening. The Dortmund PSG match was the more open and the yeah. more consistent open because you talk about the Newcastle match where it was Newcastle in that first 45 minutes they had all of it and then probably the first 10 minutes of the second half and then the goal which by the way you talk about pool sick how about that assist from the meaty french forehead of olivier Jou Jou just i mean i don't know if he meant it perfectly to chop it like that but right, my right. goodness that was a great assist um but yeah then dortmund getting that one from Adeyemi, and then all of a sudden you have killian Mbappe saying i'm not done I am not going down like this and just basically put the team on his back, driving basically EAFCS going end line, cutting it back. And uh, Zaire Emery, who's another young talent that we should be keeping more than an eye on because at 17 years old, he's doing a lot that most 35 year olds wish that they could be doing in their professional career. And the match kept going. Donnarumma making a couple of brilliant saves down the stretch. Cobell, you know, there's a re you don't see too many goalkeepers get the captain's armband. Yeah. But he had it for a reason. He led by example. And then, yeah, full-time goes. Those two teams uh, go through. And you're so right with the Milan story as well, because obviously this platform is very centric on the Premier League. But for AC Milan, if they do not play European football in some capacity, not only does that club disband in the sense of you're going to lose all your top prospects and current top players, that probably sets them back about three years. Yeah, they still have multiple ways back into the the Champions League, and we'll get to one of those back road uh, back routes in just a moment. But they still have something very much to play for. They've got a great squad, and as you said, they're one that's competitive right now in Serie A, where they're sitting in third. Um, one of those reasons why they're currently still sitting in a position where they can get in is because the way that Newcastle and Manchester United, this was brought up in our group chat yet uh, on Tuesday and then revisited on Wednesday is because of the expansion of the champions league competition. I can't say groups because I'm, this is going to be me for a soapbox another day, by the way, Mike, what's um 36 divided by four. Uh, that's not nine. That's yeah. That's nine. Nine. You just do four groups of nine teams. Have everyone play home or away once, and you still have the drama. The group are not going to get this next year with one thirty-six team table. But that's you know for that's why I love the groups because crazy things right. can happen. But now with Newcastle and Man U not getting through, they lose England coefficient points. And yeah. what did Italy and Germany and to an extent Spain did? They won their groups. They got teams out of the group stage. Those are huge coefficient points that now they can leapfrog over England to try and get that fifth spot into the Champions League. Speaking of some teams that are helping the case out, one of those uh, areas that were still up for battle in Group E where you had Atletico Madrid playing Lazio and basically which was the winner that would get the group. And Atleti put that match away very early as Griezmann scores in the sixth minute. Then you get... Um, Lino getting one just shortly after halftime. I don't really remember Lazio even troubling the athletic goal. So they finished second. Credit to Celtic. Nothing to play for. Feyenoord already going through as a third-place team, but Celtic at Parkhead gets a 2-1 decision. Um, Group G, we already knew the results. Man City, though, with basically an under-16s team, wins 3-2 at Red Star Belgrade. And Leipzig beat uh, BSC Young Boys 2-1. Um, Mike, then the, the fun one for me, you were talking about Antwerp uh, yeah. before we started recording. Let's talk about Antwerp because they're going out, but boy, did they go out with a loud bang as they knock off Barcelona. And frankly, one of the underrated games of the entire competition, winning by three goals to two. Yeah, and, and this was – I predicted this just too early because I thought Barcelona was going to have some trouble with Antwerp in the first game. Uh, they didn't. But, but they did this time, and, and they play really well. I like the forward style that they play. They got a, a bunch of young players at Antwerp. 
that I think are you're gonna see get uh pretty big moves. Toby Alderweireld, not one of them, <laughs> but you know he had a great career. We remember he's, him. He still thinks he's young at heart. <laughs> yeah, we remember him in the, the Champions League final for Tottenham. Um, but they're left back. I'm going to struggle with some of these names, so forgive me. I hope you know who I'm talking about, though. Uh, Vermarine, uh, their left back, Windall, uh, Cato, who's a, a guy that actually belongs to Leicester City's uh, other club that they have over in Belgium, uh, Louverine, I believe, and he's on loan there. Um, so I, I think you're going to see some of these guys, you know, in Premier League and big clubs next year. I, I like the way that that team is built and yeah, they're going out, but it was a fun game to watch. And I think that if you were watching that game, there, there are some names that you're going to hear. I don't know if you're going to hear them in champions league again this year per se, but maybe you'll see them throughout European league and stuff like that. Because I think a couple of those guys are probably going to move, especially now that there's no European competition for them anymore. I think you'll probably see the Belgian league start to sell those guys off. Yeah, the one I know you're super high on is the center midfielder Arthur Vermeeren, uh, under Vermeeren, the yeah. yeah under the guidance, and we should say this by the way under the guidance of the Dutch legend Mark van Bommel. I mean, yeah. he's put together a lovely squad of it's that classic so much youth, but the right amount of experience in some places. You have Toby Alderweireld, of course. You have a uh, Richie Delat, who it's credit to him. I mean, no one really thought at age 35 he'd ever sniff Champions League again, and here he is starting. I think four or five of the six matches that Antwerp yeah. played. So credit I, to I mean, him. Three years ago, they tried to move him as a striker in Australia. So yeah. what a great comeback story he's been. Um, meanwhile, Barcelona, while they will finish first in the group, it was the other match, super entertaining at the bottom of all the tables at Group H. It was win and you're in Champions League, lose and you go to the playoff in Europa League. Porto holding serve at the Estadio do Jorgal 5-3 against everyone's second favorite European club in Shakhtar Donetsk. It was a basketball game type atmosphere where Wanderson yeah. Galeno, um, the second goal was unreal in the technique. And unfortunately on slow-mo replay, it took a wicked deflection to go in, but boy, it was still the way that he contorted his foot. It was a strike from a tight angle outside the 18 on the right. And it just absolutely ripped the back of the net. Uh, he got two. Then you also had the likes of Medi Taremi getting himself on this, the score sheet and the older version of the pep, this one, the Portuguese version, not to be confused with the Brazilian one on their team. And then you were the one that brought this up and we're going to talk about it. Um, Chico Consensal gets put on the field because guess who is the head coach of Porto? His father, Sergio and the young man says, hey, Dad, I can score in the big stage as well. Play me more as he scores inside the final 10 minutes. Uh, Shakhtar, a, a great fight for them. Remember, they're playing all their matches in neutral sites, mostly in Hamburg. Yeah. But they'll be a tough team to beat in Europa League. But this Porto team is going to be a tough team to beat, period. Yeah, I, I actually think this was a huge game because Kansa Sal, I think, is probably someone who would have been mentioned with that Man United job if it opens up. But now he's going to stay there in Champions League, at least for now. Um, really good players, really kind of fun, forward attacking brand of football. Uh, you have Young and Old Pep. You have Evan Nielsen. You have uh, Galeno, who's great. Toremi, who could score goals all over the pitch. I'm really curious to see the draw, uh, to see who Porto get put up against because they're going to be a problem. They play a really fun forward uh, attacking brand of football. And it's I'm going to be very curious to see who it is that has to face them because if it's one of the weaker group winners, not to be disrespectful to them, but like a Sociedad or potentially even a Dortmund that they have to face. I could very easily see Porto as this year's team that you look up and all of a sudden they're in the the, the last four of Champions League. I, I know we didn't really get one last year, but JJ, we usually see one. You know, we've seen Ajax, we've seen Tottenham uh, a couple of years back at this point. We saw uh, who was the French team, Monaco, yeah. that, that made it there. I, I could see Porto going on that kind of run this year and all of a sudden looking up and they're in the final four. 
Well, don't sleep on the Portuguese league because I know people have said, and this is not me, but um, it could be quote unquote a farmer's league or it's a, just a young development league that sells off their players. Sporting, Porto, Benfica, and Braga, that's the top four in that league. They're all separated by two points at this stage in the league. So that, I mean, we'll probably, as we get into the month of March, we will start looking a little bit broader as where some of these races mm -hmm. could be. And that's certainly one Porto only one law or two losses in that league. And they only, and they lost twice in champions league. They're a team that's a winning mentality. And you, you speak about the winners versus second place. I'll just quickly again, list all the winners in the second place teams from each group. There's no, you know, not saying a through H, whatever. These are just the winners. Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Real Madrid, Real Sociedad, Atletico Madrid, Dortmund, Man City, and Barcelona. The second place teams of Porto, RB Leipzig, PSG, Lazio, Inter, Napoli, PSV Eindhoven, and Copenhagen. And remember, there are still uh, country limitations, so you cannot be drawn against your same country team in the round of 16 but it'll be a fascinating draw, which we will cover on our next show, Mike. And now, of course, we should also mention that there are eight teams from Champions League that will continue playing European football. That will be in the Europa League as Galatasaray, Lons, who had a remarkable Champions League tournament. She cannot overestimate the effort that they put in. Unlucky not to get out of Group B. Braga, Benfica, Feyenoord. AC Milan, uh, BSC Young Boys, and Shakhtar Donetsk will join the 16 teams that got out of your, the Europa League today. Mike, as we have done, we will feature mostly on the United Kingdom sides that have come through in the Europa mm -hmm. League. But a um, couple of notable results today, West Ham 2, Freiburg 0, which means West Ham will be going through as the group winners in that, comp in that uh, Group A. Goals from Kudus and Alvarez in the first half to see off the German side. You mentioned the Brighton match, a 1-0. They waited late, but Jao Pedro scoring his sixth goal in the competition already. A 1-0 victory against Marseille. They go top. And we, I said I would talk only about UK teams, but this was the surprise of the group. Ajax. Yeah in an empty AK Athens stadium because of the uh, country's ban on fans, unfortunately due to some horrible violence that we've seen in and around football matches this season in Greece, but Ajax at home three, one, they get the spot to go into Europa conference. Um, and Athens who thought that they were high and dry, comfortable, just an easy road trip for them. They're out. Um, yeah. That was a fascinating 20 minutes, if anything else. Yeah, it really was. Athens, they just couldn't hold Ajax out. You know, it, it was uh, uh, interesting to see. Uh, they're finally starting to get some goals. Uh, Brabi scored one, Bergvine on the penalty, but Chuba Akpam also has been all over the pitch for that team this year. That they have. Uh, rattling off some of the groups from elsewhere liverpool getting through despite a loss today they do still win that group to union saint gilois i always botch that one and i apologize for our belgian fans out there um other victories include romo straightforward over sheriff three nil slavia prague four nil over servet Villarreal going on the road to defeat Rons 3-2, but I kind of held this one off for last, Mike, because you spoke about that Betis Rangers match, and for Glasgow Rangers going on the road to the place that they lost the Europa League final not all that long ago, two years ago, they needed to exercise those demons, and they needed a win, and only a win would see them through. Well, they got the win as Philippe Clement's team able to get through with a 3-2 result with goals from Sima, Dessers, and Jamaican international Kim Roof 12 minutes from time. And not only do they get themselves through, but Real Betis, I spoke about how it was a bad day in that part of Spain because Sevilla are out of all Europe and Betis down to the Conference League, while Rangers yeah. and Sparta Prague, who absolutely hammered Limassol, are through to the next stage of the competition. Rangers also get the bye uh, in that playoff match because they won the group. Uh, it's a huge result for Rangers, and what a job by Philippe Clement. Essentially, 
I mean, he won a Europa League group essentially with championship players, right? Like Kamar Roof, the guy who's bounced all over England. And, uh, you know, same thing with Sima. I think he played with Stoke last year. Like, this is an impressive job by Clement to to do that with Rangers and, and to do it with this squad. And, I mean, it's massively disappointing for Batiste. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost left to wonder if Pellegrini is going to survive that. Yeah, I don't think he will. Um, I mean, it, it's going to be a fascin- fascinating one to see. But, yeah, um, changes in the Rangers team manager getting changed in November, I believe it was. Clement, not a lot of time, but they're able to turn around. And they're the only Scottish team left in European senior team, uh, senior men's football. They're only chasing five on Celtic, who yeah. also are out of the League Cup earlier in the competition. So Rangers still have some time maybe to turn it around uh, before the next old firm will come up. And lastly, we haven't spent a lot of time covering the Europa Conference League, but we do give our flowers, of course, to Aston Villa. A 1-1 draw against uh, Zerinsky Mostar, getting them through. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) As getting them uh, the group winners in that one in Group E, which – will be fascinating to see now what Unai Emery does because you're in Europe still. Um, I believe they're still in the EFL. No, they're not in the EFL Cup. They're bounced out of that. You have Middlesbrough away in the third round of the FA Cup. Do you go for it and bolster the squad for all competitions? Do you just focus on the league? I don't really know. As We'll talk about the Premier League mostly in a second. Actually, no. You know what? Let's just talk about right now because Villa, um, this is a situation where they're in right now where they're in a nice little run of games coming up. They have Brentford away on Sunday. They host Sheffield United right before Christmas away to Man U on Boxing Day. Mike, this is a time of the year where Villa can really put their foot down on the gas. Yeah, it is. And I think they have the depth to do it. I, I think they'll probably do a little bit of business in January. But you look at the lineup that they put out there today. Uh, you know, Moreno is a great, great dude to have coverage left back with with Luca Dean. Um, Matty Cash is someone who who they're able to alternate into the lineup. Leander Dendonker, John Duran, uh, Jacob Ramsey. I mean, those, these guys are you could win a conference league with those guys, you know. And to me, I think you go for all of it because. I am a firm believer, right? You play the game to win trophies. Yeah. Oh, how different life could have been if Leicester would have finished fourth instead of fifth a couple of years ago against Chelsea. But you know what? We got a trophy out of it. I will remember winning an FA Cup that day for the rest of my life. A heck of a lot more than I remember finishing fourth. You play the game to win trophies. I want to see Unai Emery go for it. We know he's a European specialist. God, he's won, what, I think 7,000 UEFA Champions League conf- or uh, Conference League and, and Europa League trophies. I mean, he he's like Jose Mourinho throwing the medal into the stands at this point with those trophies. Uh, you know he's a European specialist, gets things done. Uh, what, what a huge year for Villa, man. I'm a massive fan of that team. Well, they're in the same mold as what Deserby did with Brighton last year. And I know Sean made a very interesting comment in one of our recent episodes about how Brighton played, in his words, quote unquote, B teams. They never played B teams in secondary competitions. They played to win matches. Yes. Now, did they have favorable draws, especially in the FA Cup where you get Grimsby Town? Great story that was. But you're getting fourth tier Grimsby Town in the quarterfinal at home you're in all these competitions. Brighton are still in all these competitions and look where they are now. They actually get a lot of rest because they don't have to play that playoff match, uh, playoff home and home in February. They're straight into the round of 16 in Europa League. They too, like Villa, I expect them. Well, Brighton, they don't buy. They scout the fields of South America to find those 17 <laughs> 18 year olds to uh, you know work up and then eventually sell off for 120 million pounds. But you get the point though. I think those two teams are going to be very much buying. And I see both of those teams competing for however many places there are in Europe for English teams next year. And yeah, it's going to be one of those fascinating little storylines that we're going to have to watch in addition to the classic big four. And, and Deserby is a coach who, I mean, 
he he's making his way onto the biggest stages in Europe at this point. You know what I mean? He, you're you're gonna really start mentioning Deserby soon as one of the the great coaches in football if we're not already. No, we absolutely are because what he's had to work with, and I know there's kind of a stigma with that. He's done great with what he's got to work with. No, he's done great. Period. Period. Yeah. Um, matches in the Premier League Friday, Nottingham Forest will host Tottenham in what could be a huge turning point match for both of those teams as both sides had uh, nice results on the weekend. Forest with a draw away at Wolves and Spurs absolutely turning Newcastle over by four goals to one. That's the lone Friday match Saturday in the Premier League. Bournemouth hosting Luton Town in a battle of teams near the bottom. I say near the bottom because Bournemouth now have shot up nicely to 14th position um, and Luton Town are still currently checking in at the 18th position. You have Chelsea hosting Sheffield United. These are the 10 a.m. matches on Saturday. Man City hosting Palace, Newcastle hosting Fulham, and Burnley hosting Everton, which what could be a last stand, Mike, for Vincent Company and for yeah. Everton continuing on this run that I said in the last show. Well, what could have been four matches if you get seven points out of that? Fantastic. They're looking for four wins on the bounce. Yeah, and this is your classic six-pointer right here, you know. You have Everton sitting in 17th with 13 points, Burnley in 19th on eight points. If Everton win this game, they're all of a sudden kind of running away. And you have, like you said, potentially the last stand here for for Vincent Company because Burnley have really massively underachieved. They have massively underachieved. They've played better in their last few matches. It has to be said, a win and a draw in their last three. They've taken a little bit of account of the teams that are around them. But as you rightly say, it's kind of win or at least if you could get a result, I think that will be enough at the moment to keep company alive. Because let's also face it, if Everton didn't have that 10-point deduction, they're chasing European football right now. And there's still the belief that with Everton putting in an appeal that – I think they'll be getting some points back because unfortunately for the likes of Chelsea and Man City, this set, sets a horrible precedent for them going forward in their current arrangements. That's not for us to say, but you know, in terms of when that will get uh, changed, Everton should, my understanding, they'll be learning the fate of their appeal within the next couple of weeks to months as we learn with Welcome to Wrexham soon. Yeah. Soon could be two weeks. Soon could be three months. <laughs> the biggest thing... That, that I'm keeping an eye on this weekend. You know, you talked about Luton Town. That's a tough game against Bournemouth. Sheffield United and Chelsea, I mean, Lord knows what's going to happen in that game, but likely a tough game for Sheffield United. If Everton get a result in that game, JJ, particularly depending on what happens with Nottingham Forest, you're looking at these teams at the bottom now being two matches adrift mm. at this point. You know, you're looking at them being on nine points, eight points, and – and 17th point, uh, 17th place potentially being on 15 points. Like two matches adrift, particularly for those teams at the bottom, that's a long way to go. And I'm a big believer as well as we are now officially in the quote-unquote festive period where if you do play four matches, if you can get seven or more points from those four matches in the festive period, you set yourself up for a great opportunity to advance further, not mm-hmm. only in the – your status on the table but also to get players coming into your club when the january transfer window opens up and if you're six points or south of that good luck because you might become sellers very quickly now sunday slate is fascinating on a number of levels michael read the matches off first it's arsenal hosting brighton this is all the 9 a.m east coast american time window brentford hosting villa West Ham hosting Wolves and then Liverpool hosting Manchester United, which frankly, as a United fan, I can say this comfortably will be a walk for Liverpool because Bruno (laughs) Fernandes is suspended. Uh, I believe the last time United won at Anfield was 2016 when Juan Mata was still running the show and actually had those very nice white jerseys. I had a knockoff one myself, but that's neither here nor there. And my look at you trying to reverse jinx. I'm proud of you, JJ. I try occasionally, Um, (laughs) but Liverpool will take care of business, especially for the fact that they've gotten a bit healthier over the last week or so. And they'll be pretty pissed off after losing to, um, excuse me, Lask Linz. Yeah, I think they'll be wanting to, or no, excuse me, losing to uh, Union Senkolis. I apologize for that. They did destroy Lask Linz in their previous match, but they'll be looking for blood in that one. But the three 9 a.m. window matches are 
interesting in their own rights. We get you have Arsenal who who are playing for I don't want to say nothing, but they just had to finish out their Champions League slate yeah. against PSV versus Brighton, who had to empty the tank against um, Marseille just on Thursday. Brentford and Villa, that's a potential banana skin for Villa because it's difficult to go into the GTEC. I, I hate saying that's the Brentford Community Stadium and getting points there. And West Ham, could it be the Hyde team or the Jekyll team that we get from the Hammers? Because they did enough on Thursday. Wolves, though, have been playing better. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on any of these matches. Well, I'll start with the one you just mentioned with West Ham and Wolves. Gary O'Neill is a survivor. He is a survival expert at this point, I would say. And that's exactly the type of match that for Wolves to to stay up, to stay competitive, to stay in that what I call boring, meaningless mid-tier, this is exactly the kind of match you get a result in. I think this is a huge match for Arsenal because Arsenal... Arsenal find themselves in the tough spot where they're battling ghosts, right? They're battling online trolls. They're battling the disappointments of Arsenal past. And that loss that they had this past week, dropping that result to Villa, yes, there was a lot of talk and a lot of love for Villa, but there was also a lot of talk of same old Arsenal because the door was open and they couldn't walk through it. If you drop another result here to Brighton, that pressure, that Arsenal frustration, that, you know, AFTV and that whole toxic scene is only going to get worse. And the pressure is only going to start to mount there. And it's only going to kind of start to turn on Arteta more and more. So I actually think this is a huge match for Arsenal just from a a vibes perspective, right? Ooh, you're a vibes guy now? I am a vibes guy now, yeah. I love that. Well, then that could set things up nicely for Villa because I talked about how Brentford's a tough place to go get a result, but you look at the form that the Bees have had lately, one win in their last five competitive matches, and Villa just, you know, yeah, they played to a 1-1 in their Europa Conference League match, but you look at the matches that they've played recently, they've taken off points off all the big boys. I mean, getting back-to-back 1-0s against Arsenal and City, they're right in a great position to strike right now, so I feel like if they could just do the job again, and remember they'll have the short turnaround because then they play next Friday against Sheffield United at home, then they have a little bit of a respite as they play the late match on Boxing Day. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but the scheduling does work out that things could work nicely for Villa. But you got to remember, especially after you get points of all the big boys, this is a classic look-ahead spot for Villa, too. If you don't pay attention, the Bees have plenty of talent to sting you. Remember why you you talk about looking ahead, why did I rattle off all the games that they have coming up? Because I might have forgotten about Brentford. Um, Anything else, Mike, that you have on the Premier League? I do have a couple other little bits and bobs to get to, but final thoughts from you on this section? I mean, Liverpool and Man United is always going to be competitive. Um, I'm curious to see the fight in Manchester United because they probably know that Ten Hag is on the brink here. Are they going to fight for him? Or are they going to fight to get rid of him? Well, we saw that happen once last season for Manchester United. So who says that lightning can't strike twice in big matches? All right, staying in England for the rest of the show as well, because in addition to all the uh, European matches, we did have replays of the FA Cup and also a replay of the first installment of a first-round match because Forest Green Rovers, which is apparently Kyle Franco's adopted new team again because the man chooses clubs quicker than Tiger Woods takes him out of his bag. Um, He goes with Forest Green Rovers, the vegan club, and they go to... I, I had to make sure that I was looking at this correct, Mike. Uh, they went to the Flamingo Land Stadium in North Yorkshire to take on six-tier Scarborough Athletic in a do-over because Forest Green Rovers forgot to register a player. So <laughs> do the match over again. And uh, the Football League side came away with a 4-2 victory. I just had to make sure what that was because Flamingo Land is apparently an amusement park that has a zoo, which is fantastic. Um, it sounds fun. It, it sounds, sounds dodgy as hell, but it sounds fun. Hey, if they if they have enough to sponsor a non-league team, then you know what? It might be a little bit dodgy. 
I am I am certain that a video from Flamingo Land has made it to ridiculousness. Certain of it. Oh, most definitely. Um, and then the other replays that came through, Barnett, uh, one of the teams at the top of the table in the National League, losing to Newport County by four goals to one. Bristol Rovers over Crew Alexandra for two. Walsall at the Poundland Bescott Stadium. Yes, Poundland is UK's version of Dollar Store. Um, 1-0 over Alfreton Town. Stevenage advance over Port Vale, which is not a city, by the way, um, on penalties. And then the big shock was at Stockport County, top of League Two, losing to National League side Aldershot Town by a goal to nil, which is a big boost for Aldershot Town as they now continue in the competition and they will, as I scroll through, I believe they've got a good, yeah, they do have a good fixture because they go to West Brom. So that will be championship versus non-league in the third round. That will happen right after the new year. Blackpool will now play Forest Green in a second round match that was delayed originally from the original second round match next week. And Mike, since we haven't had you on here in a while, there's been some stuff brewing in the championship. A lot of good things, though. Yeah. Because coming up, not this week, was kind of a shame, but the fact that it's going to be on Boxing Day and they have it at a unique time slot, Ipswich, Leicester, first versus second. Your Foxes have been outstanding over the last couple of months or so, including they had a hold off Millwall late on the weekend. Ipswich have been playing some fabulous progressive football under Kieran McKenna. For those that don't know, get to know because I'm fully anticipating those two teams back in the Premier League next year, and that match might be the one that you truly should be watching on Boxing Day when Portman Road will be rocking as the Tractor Boys and the Foxes square off. Well, it's funny, JJ. If you go back and look, you and I actually called this. You and I each said that Ipswich and Leicester were going to be two teams that that were coming up. Um, I recognize that in this matchup, I'm actually the heel because – I, I love Lester. I love my Foxes. I mean, you know, just look. But everyone should be rooting for Ipswich. They're the underdog. It's crazy that they're in this position as a team that just came up from League One. Kieran McKenna, their manager, has been around the game of football for a long time, but is pretty young. Uh, this is a team of guys that, like, they they shouldn't be here, right? Like, you look at Leicester's roster and you look at, at the roster for Ipswich Town and the fighting Ed Sheerans don't have anyone that you would take over a Leicester player, but they're here. And matchups make fights, right? You always yeah. hear that expression. There ain't going to be a lick of defense played in this game, JJ. Oh, no. Enzo and Kieran are going to be pushing forward. By the way, this is going to be the first meeting between the two clubs in any competition in a decade. It's the last time that these two teams played. I'm going on my Thought Mob app again. This is not an ad. They didn't pay me to say this is just what I use. Um, What if you do want to pay us? Hit me up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'd be happy to have Uh, it. Our social media is at box to box football (laughs) or at box to box FT ball, depending on the source. You go back to February 22nd of 2014 at the King Power Stadium with their goal scores. Actually, you know what? I'm going to let you guess because I'm pretty certain you will get at least two of these right. Again, 2014, this is when Cal, uh, uh, Riyad Mahrez was still the man that was leading the line before, of course, the magical year. Right, right. So that I'm going to guess Vardy. Okay, gets that's one. one. That's that's your layup. Uh, how about Chris Wood? That's two. Well done. Uh, do we get a Fox, do we get a West, legend? Fox do we get a West Morgan sighting? No. Andy King? No, but West Morgan did start. West Morgan did start. Okay, and it's not Andy King either. No. Oh boy. End of uh, near end of his career. Cambioso? No. Who? David Who? Nugent. Oh, sure, sure. Silly on my part. No, it's okay. I mean, again, we're talking about Mahrez have scored? No, but he was on this he was in the team though. Okay. How about Albrighton? Okay, we're going to, through the whole lineup. Um yeah, you're right. you're ele- no, that's fine. You're eleven. Uh Schmeichel and Gold, Delat, uh Rosilevsky, Morgan, Jeffrey Schlupp at left back. 
yeah, not guard drink water uh maddie james dyer and the upfront duo of nugent and vardy at the combined oh, age of i believe not a million guard. at that time knockout i'll still never forgive him for missing that penalty yeah i i'm not the one to heal wounds at these times i'm just <laughs> re- relaying and the manager duel was nigel pearson versus mick mccarthy who i'll happily pay to see in an octagon uh that's what i was gonna say a, a battle is correct so we'll probably talk about that um, when that match happens. But I, since you haven't been on, we needed to talk some champions uh, championship football because that league is fabulous. Always fabulous. And, and it's funny. You don't see separation like this at the top very often. No, in the they're 10 points clear. Well. Yeah, ten both of these clear. teams are, are 10 points clear. Uh, Leeds just had a, a tough result. They dropped one to, to Sondland looking for their new coach. Um, I'm Job. not sure if they permanently settled. Or not. Uh, yeah, Joe Bellingham is a heck of a player. Um, and then Southampton, West Brom, you know, all the teams that you're kind of familiar with in the mix right there. Um, as always, you know how crazy this league is. Once you get beyond that, sixth place and 13th place are six points difference. So there's seven teams in contention for that final playoff spot. You have no idea where any of this chaos is going to land. Uh, but if you're a Leicester fan, if you're an Ipswich fan, or if you're an Ed Sheeran fan, uh, you hope the drama remains for the playoff spots and not at the the top of the table. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if that match finishes a draw, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's like 4-4 either. Which I'll sign up for that any day of the week. Yeah. All right, Mike, this is good. Um, yeah, let's do it fun. again sometime. Uh, Sounds good. That's, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back next week. As always, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms on X slash Twitter and Instagram. Search for us box to box football or box to box FT ball pod, wherever you find us and let your friends know as well. Give us a like, give us a you know, nice little review. We like a review. We like a good review. We don't mind a bad review because sometimes any publicity is good publicity, but we'd prefer good review. So make sure to leave that as well. But you know who likes reviews even more than us? Go for it. The algorithm. Please the Wait. algorithm. Please feed. the algorithm. It helps us grow. Feed and please the algorithm. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you guys next time.